like the video said, since the beginning of time, he's wanted to see people satisfied and fulfilled in life. Um, and we've kind of been walking through this series, kind of saying, hey, there's more to life. He has more for you. He wants you to live more. These promises he made to the people of Israel uh, when they were in slavery. They were in slavery under the Egyptians, and God came in and said, hey, this is not my best for you. I have something better. And, and we believe the Old Testament is a picture of a lot of what God wants to do in the New Testament. And so what we see in the Old Testament, it's a picture of our lives a lot of times of what happens when we choose to go contrary to what God wants for our lives. And the same way the people of Israel found themselves captive and enslaved as, as slaves in Egypt, we find ourselves captive and enslaved to sin and and uh, less than God's best for our life. And so Liv Moore is saying, hey, there's more to life than this. In fact, um, this series is kind of built around this statement. People say, I hear all the time, there has to be more to life than just this. Like life is not just about getting a, getting a paycheck, paying the bills, going through the routine. There has to be more life than this. And we believe there is. That's why we started the Grove in the first place. And so uh, this series kind of walks through that. In fact, it's the uh, it's really built around four core promises. Throughout the Bible, God made a lot of promises, but there's four core promises. And a promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. So when God promises something, his promises come through. They never fail. They're always consistent. He's always on track, and he always, he always follows through. And so we want to learn God's promises. So we're going through the four core promises. So week one, we talked about promises and how it's important that we need to know the promises. Uh, week two, we talked about where to start, and this was the first core promise of salvation, uh, where, where we, Robert talked about starting here, and really just said we need to commit our lives to God and, and, and work through. And then the third week, we talked about living outside of the box, outside of the prison, outside of uh, the habits and the addictions that keep us from God's best. Uh, that's, just, that's the second promise of God's uh, promise to, uh, to free us. Uh, to deliver us. And um, these four promises, well, I'll read in a second where they're found. And then last week, Robert talked about how there's more to life. Uh, there's more. God wants us to discover our destiny. He wants us to discover our design. And when we do that, we begin to live the more that God has for us. Uh, we, want, we want to help you discover your gifts, develop your gifts, use your gifts, um, and then be able to do that. Uh, the interesting thing about that third promise is most Christians, which most people, um, don't ever get to that third promise. They don't ever take God up on that saying, all right, what was I created for in the first place? Like, restore me back, redeem me back to my original intent. Like, what was I created for in the first place? And really only um, um, 13% of, of Christians actually take that, that third step of saying, I want to find out how I was designed. Um, so as a church, we want to help people to discover how God wired you, how God made you, so you'll find a fulfilled life, which leads us into this, into this fourth one. So in Exodus 6, uh, chapter 6, this is where we find the promise. Um, God says to, to, through Moses to the people of Israel, he says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's the first promise. The, the Jewish people, they call them the four I wills. These are four statements that God makes that says, I will do these things, and then you're going to see. I, will, I want to do these things in your life. And the same promises he made to the Israelites, he's making to you today. I will do these things. The first one is, I will bring you out from under the yoke. This is, this is salvation from being a slave. And this is what the cross is all about. This is why Jesus died on the cross. So we can be saved. We can be free from the bondage of sin. And if, you, if you've ever been uh, under the bondage of sin, you know it is not fun. It, it's, it's horrible. It produces death. It produces a lot of uh, negative consequences in our life. Then he goes on to say, I will free you from being slaves to them. That kind of sounds like that's the same thing, but it's different. Because the people of Israel were freed from being, they left Egypt, but while they were, want, while they were traveling to the promised land, they still fought like a slave. They didn't know how to think like free people. And so God's intent is to say, I want to help you move beyond that so you can think like a free person. And then he says, I will, free, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Like, I'm going to show you that you, I want a relationship with you. I want, to, I want to help you on this journey 
I want to redeem you. And that was last week we talked about. You can go catch up to those messages online. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is the fourth promise, and it's the promise of fulfillment. Uh, the Jewish people call it the promise of praise or the cup of praise. So every, every Passover, they drink these, during Passover, they drink four cups, and they're, they're representing the four I wills of saying, hey, God's gonna, He's gonna save us, He's gonna, um, uh, free us, He's gonna redeem us, and then He's gonna f- fulfill us. He's gonna, and it's called the cup of praise. And so, uh, today we're talking about that fourth promise, the cup of praise, and, and, and the promise of fulfillment. And so He says, I will take you to my people. So he, he, it's individual. I will do this for you. I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. And then he says, and then I will call you as my people. You're going to become part of a family. You're going to do something in a larger scale. And this is the fourth promise. So very few people ever get to the third promise. Even fewer get to the last promise of finding fulfillment in life. We'll talk about this in a little bit. So and then he says, then you will know that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So essentially he's saying, then and only then are you really going to understand who I am as a God. See, I believe a lot of people reject Christianity because they really don't understand what it's about. Even a lot of Christians that are signed up saying, I want to follow God, they don't even know all that God has for them because they stop the process. They get content with saying, all right, I went to church, I said a prayer, I'm good. And God say, no, there's so much more to life than just that. There's more. And he says, I want to take you to these, these four promises. Man, I'm seeing some people chewing some popcorn. Is that popcorn good? Just make my mouth water. I started like salivating there for a second. I could smell the popcorn. I could see people chewing it. We hope you enjoy the cake and the popcorn as, as a little celebration, right, for one year. We've never done popcorn. This is the first time for us, so we're in a theater. Why not? So he says, um, I have more, to, more, more for you in life than just going through those things. And even I, I believe in a lot of Christians. They don't even know the full extent of what God has for them because they stop the process. God is saying, keep moving, keep going. I mean, the, the studies show 87% of Christians never get to the third promise. They get stuck in the second promise, which is, which is a promise that God is working in our lives, saying, I'm going to free you from thinking like the old pattern habits. I want to I help you think like I think. I want to help you think like a new person, like a kingdom person. And they get stuck there. You can say, no, you got to keep moving. Discover your purpose, and then we'll find fulfillment. So I believe many are rejecting something they don't even know or understand. I talk to people, even growing up, I remember they'd say, you know what, I don't want to be a Christian, you have to give up all your fun. I said, you totally don't understand it then, because the reverse is true. God tells us, when you choose something contrary, like Adam and Eve, God said, you can have everything in this garden, except the one tree. What do, we, what do they say? Man, God said we can't have anything. And a lot of people say, God said we can't have any fun. That's not true at all. He said, you can have all the fun in the world you want. Here you go, it's free. To, free. I mean, they, 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 anyways, I won't go that One tree, and then they, they focus on that one tree, and, and, and the enemy lies to him and says, see, God's holding something back from you. And they give in to that temptation, and they fall. And, they, and, they fall. and, and my friends, growing up, a lot of them friends would tell me that. It's not fun, man. You must not have fun as a Christian. They say, man, I am so free. You don't understand the freedom that I have, because I have not chosen to take that, that, free and, and, that fruit, and, and, and that God has said it's forbidden. That, that's something you shouldn't do. Because when you do, that's when you become a slave to sin. You become captive. So rather than having the freedom to do stuff, you're actually now enslaved by the very thing that you thought was going to be enjoyable and fun. And I see this play out all over. In my life, it plays out sometimes too. Because I'm saying, man, I want that. It looks really good. God's saying, yeah, but it's not going to produce something good. But as humans, we sometimes just think of the, of the immediate gratification that what feels good right now. So many are rejecting. So I, I would encourage you. Man, don't reject something that you haven't under, fully understood or maybe don't, haven't even looked into more. We have a loving God that, that cares for us. So 
the first one is the promise of salvation. For the Grove, we've kind of structured a whole church around these four promises because we believe if people will walk through these four promises in their life, they will be fulfilled. I'm a living testimony of that. Uh, some of our team, you can look at them, you can see it. You know, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that a little bit. So the promise of salvation, we call, the, the, what we think, how people connect to this, is our weekend services. So our weekend services, we believe, connect people to God. That is the most important step. If you're going to drink from any of those cups, if you're going to take any of those promises, any of those offers God has, make sure you take that first one. That is the most important one. It's, a, it's the cup of salvation. It's the promise of God saying, I'm going to save you from something that you can't save yourself from. And he keeps it very simple and intentional because he wants us to never, under, never think that we did something to earn it. You didn't do anything to earn salvation. He did everything on the cross for us. Now, the other promise is he, we have to do stuff. But that first promise, that first cup, that first offer, he's saying, hey, my son died for your sins so you can have eternal life. My son died for your sins so you can, be, you can have freedom in this life from the bondage of sin. And the Bible says when we accept that offer, like our, our life starts over. They, 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 they use the term called born again, this, this idea that we have this new start. We become this new person. It's awesome. If you've never experienced this, I, w- I would say, man, think about this. Pray about it. Think about it. Because God says it's a free offer. And here's the thing. You don't have to do anything to earn it except believe. The Bible says when we believe and accept that, it's a gift that God gives us. Most important promise. It doesn't mix with the other promises. Nothing you can do to earn that one except believe and accept it for your life. That's all he says. Uh, no matter how old you are, how young you are, God gives the offer and says, no matter what you've done, I still love you. And this is what I love about God. He, can, he, can, he doesn't have this scale where he says, that's too bad and this is, not, this, is, this is not that bad. Sin is sin to him. And whether it's a lie or whether it's murder, he says, I'm here to forgive you. Well, let me forgive you. And he does. So first cup, take that, that, that offer. The second cup, uh, so weekend services, uh, we've structured our church to help people connect. So we intentionally make service very simple because we know there's a lot of unchurched people in Santa Fe that don't go to church, that maybe have never heard about these promises, never learned about the Bible. We say, hey, we want to make it simple so you can connect to God. It's not just for the unchurched. We, we challenge Christians to keep moving forward in their faith, but we want to see people connect to God. It's the only thing we can do as a church on earth that we will never be able to do again in heaven is connect the lost to God. The second promise of freedom, we, we do this as, as small groups. Small groups just started. If you're not in a small group, make sure you get in one. They're, they're incredible. Sometimes, you know, when you start off, it's a new relationship, new people. Um, the groups I lead both times, I've led them. Um, it's kind of like, oh, 6, 6, 15 in the morning. Like, are you serious? Coffee? And then by the end of the, 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 the season, all the guys are like, can we keep meeting? And I'm like, no, we got to take a break now and... Get some sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it starts off like that, like, man, this is really hard. And then they, they love it. And I, we had a group on um, Wednesday morning. A couple of guys came out and we talked. It was great. I mean, I left that place like, this is so good. I'm wide awake. I talked about God. I have, I have some people I can pray for. They're praying for me. It's important. So groups, they're huge. This is the, 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 the part of, of God working in our lives when we get people, the right people around us to encourage us and help us. Success runs in circles. Okay. Failure also runs in circles. Get people around you. It's important. And then the next one is the promise of restoration. This is our growth track. So we want to help people to discover their, their identity. 301, we help people discover their personality, how God wired them, the, the gifts that God's given them, um, and their passions, kind of how those tied together. Gro- growth track is next week. If you've never t- been there, we encourage you to be a part of that. All right? And then the fourth thing we do is this is the, the promise of fulfillment, and we call this team. 
Um, and, and this is what I believe. You don't have to necessarily be, be a part of our team, but you need to be a part of a team if you're going to be able to get to this last promise. Because God says, now I'm going to take you as an individual and now include you into a family, into a group of people that can do something together that's going to be large, larger than life. And when you're part of a team, you then succeed. So we would encourage you to be part of a church. Man, make the grow of your church. If not, we can recommend a few really good churches in Santa Fe that you can be a part of. But you need to be a part of a church that you're plugged in, that you're faithfully going to, that you can grow and be challenged. You have people around you that can, that can help you. So if it's not the Grove, man, make sure you find a church that you can do that in Santa Fe that's going to encourage you and it's going to lead you uh, in that relationship with God. So today we're, t- we're going to talk about this last promise of fulfillment. And so really it's the best life possible. We use this term, part of our, our, why we exist is to help lead people to the best life possible. See, a lot of people are living an unfulfilled life for many reasons. We're going to go for, through a few of them. But let me tell you what Jesus said. He says in John 10.10, 10, he says, we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus is saying there's an enemy. He, he wants to destroy your life. He wants to bring destruction. He wants to distract you. He wants to, but I've come that you may be, what does that say? Fulfilled, right? You may, you may have life in all its fullness. What did you say? I say fullness. God wants you to have a fulfilled life. From the very beginning, he wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to be fulfilled. It's a very simple statement, but it's true. God wants your life to, to, to be full. Uh, another translator, he, he wrote it and said that you may have a life that, that is a better life than you ever dreamed of. We've kind of taken that and said the best life you could possibly have. If you want to know what the best life you could possibly have, look to Jesus. He shows us. So here's some, here's some things that keep us from uh, three reasons we settle for living, living less than. Not the, the more, living more, but living less. We let our, our past cripple us. All right? we, we, we end up looking through the rearview mirror most of our life rather than looking through the, front, the, the windshield. We end up looking at all the regrets, saying, man, I should have done that, I should have done that. And it's, it's bad enough that we have all the regrets and look through that, but we have an enemy that's also reminding us all of that, that stuff. Well, if you've drank from the first cup, you know what happens in all the past? It's, it's, you don't have to worry about it. It's wiped away. It's, it's erased for, with your standing with God. Now, there's consequences that follow through that we have to live with, but if, if you st- spend your life looking through the, wind, through the rearview mirror rather than the window, you're going to miss everything that's in front of you. You're going to get stuck. And miss all the things that's in front of you. And possibly cause you to, to even make, make worse decisions. See, in Psalms 38, 4, and 6, the, the writer says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. Man, our guilt keeps us low. But that first promise says, get rid of it. Man, start a new, new day. Walk into this new year, this new day as, as, a, as a new start. Walk into this new one. Man, get the right people around you. So you can, you can overcome this. So don't let your past cripple you. The other thing, that the reason we don't live a full life is we let the culture define us. We let culture tell us how we should look, how, what we should be doing, what's popular, what's cool, how we should fit in. Um, essentially, we're all living our lives by, by somebody's playbook or somebody's script, whether it's our own, whether it's the enemies that he's been planning for you for destruction, or God's. Um, and God has, has a way for you to live. And if you live it, it's, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing adventure. But you have a choice. So we can live the enemies. We can live a counterfeit that the culture tells us if you have all this. And the culture does. If you have, if you have the right car, if you have the right amount of money, all this stuff, then you'll be satisfied. But how many of you guys know when you achieve all that stuff, you're still not satisfied? We see it over and over played out. People that have everything say there has to be more of life than this. And it's true. God said there's something more. So... 
It's about, not about pleasing men, it's about pleasing God. In fact, Galatians 1.10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is saying, you have to move beyond that to now saying, All right, I'm not going to let culture define me. I'm now going to let God define me and live according to his way. And then the, the, this promise is discovered in that, in that third promise, the, the, the promise of restoration. When you discover how God wired you next Sunday, 301, man, you'll begin to say, all right, I get this. Now I can let God define me because he's designed me. The third thing is we try to do it all alone. One of the reasons we don't live a full life is because we're trying to do it all by ourselves. I can pull up my, my, my I'm, you know, get, get it. I can do anything by myself. I don't need anybody else. In fact, some of you guys might even say, well, I just don't want to do it with other people because other people just stink. They're, they're, they let me down. They, you know, we have an enemy that, that hates marriage. He wants to destroy your marriage. But it's not just because he, he wants you, um, just your marriage to be destroyed. He's trying to kill something even larger. See, we think, well, he's, my relationships he's trying to get. No, he's trying to kill all your relationships. And if he can, if he can work into your marriage and, and make you hate the other person, eventually you'll start distrusting other people. You'll, you'll, you'll be suspicious of everybody. And that's the end game. He wants to ruin relationship after relationship because he wants you not to trust anybody so you're all alone. And when you're all alone, this is what happens. Um, in Ecclesiastes, the writer says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So this guy had some measure of success. He had wealth, but he was not content because he was all alone. God created us to be, and this is where groups fits in, this is where a, being part of a team fits in, is we need people around us. And Cup 4 solves this, saying, will you be a part of something that's larger than your own life? Would you find a group of people you can be a part of that you can do this? So in Exodus 6, 7, the promise of fulfillment says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. So he's saying you're going to become part of my family. I'm going to help you fulfill this where you do something larger. Because here's the thing. One plus one plus God, man, it's an unlimited amount of, uh, of impact that you can have. One plus one, man, that equals more. It's more like ten. I mean, one, one person plus another person, you have a multiplying effect of like 10, when you add God in that equation, you have even a greater impact. And that's his promise of saying, I'll put you together with other people, and I'll be, in the, I'll be in the equation so we can accomplish something great. So you might be saying, well, yeah, you, you just want me to be part of your team. You want to join the church so we can be part of the team so we can do something. You're just a pastor. Well, there, there, it goes beyond that. Here, I'll show you how. I learned this in, in school, in a psychology class. There's a man named uh, Maslow. Maslow? Hierarchy needs that guy. That's right. Yeah. He, he, he started doing, doing, um, uh, looking into human behavior, and he found that there was these, these needs that every human being has. Not a Christian psychologist, just a psychologist. And then he thought there was a, I think he thought there were six, and I think they added some other, other psychologists began to add on more, because originally he had five, and then he added, I think, two more. And then after, after years, other psychologists said, no, there's more. The human behavior, there's something else that's driving people. So this is what he said. There, there's, there's, um, eight, human needs that we all have. The first is a physical need. This is a need for air, for food, for water, for shelter, for warmth, and for sleep. In the United States of America, 85% of people have these basic needs met. Okay? So the first need is just for physical needs. That's just to stay alive. So, take a breath. You are using that need right now. We have the need to breathe. That's our physical needs. The second one is a safety need. This is where we need security, we need order, we need law, we need limits, we need stability, we need locked doors. 
And I would say this goes contrary to a lot of people think about God saying, man, if I join God, it's not going to be fun. No, he's saying, I have a structure and I have order. And when you follow my way, you're actually going to be more fulfilled and free because you're not having to worry about all this other stuff. So, safety needs. Uh, this is why we carry weapons. Why we uh, stay within familiar relationships or familiar things, even when they're unhealthy. Because there's a this sense of, well, it's secure, it's safe. And people will stay in bad relationships or in a prison or an addiction because, well, it's safe. I understand this. Well, that's, that's part of our safety needs. We want, we want security. We want things to be familiar. Uh, why we learn self-defense. In US, the United States of America, it, uh, the, the surveys say 75% of this need is being met in people. 75% people have this need met in their lives in the United States. The next one is the love need. Everyone longs to be loved and to belong. They need family or affection, um, healthy relationships. This is why social media is so big in our culture because it gives us this form of connection with people. This is part of that. We need love needs. In the U.S., only 50% of people say that this need is met in their life. The fourth one is the esteem needs. This includes self-esteem. It's, it's all about achievement. It's about recognition. It's about the desire to be appreciated and valued. It's, it's um, to think about ourselves it's the way we think about ourselves, and it's the way others think about us. And then it's about how we think others think about us. That's the steam needs, because that's important, right? We sometimes think like, man, they, those things, people think I'm really awesome. Or it's like, those people hate me, and they really don't. It's all about the esteems, about appearances. It's why we, why, um, you know, why we choose the, the clothes we wear, the houses we buy, the cars, to impress people that really don't care sometimes, right? Because we want our esteem needs to be taken care of. In the U.S., only 40% indicate satisfactory on this need being met. This could be the reason that we're always striving to buy more, take on more debt, get more things, because, well, we want to be esteemed. We want to feel good, because it's a human need that we have, but it's possible we're just looking in the wrong place. So these first four, um, they call these the deficiency needs. Like, we just need these four to live. Like, if you don't have these, you have a deficiency in your life where you um, don't, you're just not as happy. Uh, there's negative consequences. It's a deprivation um, so they found that there's another four that are even higher than these higher needs that, that, that go beyond this. Uh, these are the fulfillment or they're more long-term. Uh, these are the higher order needs or the growth needs. So the first one is cognitive needs. This is the, the, the need for uh, mental stimulation or knowledge for meaning, uh, for, uh, stimulation, for understanding, for solutions, analysis, how things work, Right. When things change, we just just we, we have a need to know things. This is why our kids ask, why, 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 why? Because we have a cognitive need that says, I have to understand things. The next one is aesthetic needs. This is we have an innate appreciation for order and beauty, for nature, for mountains, right? For things that look good. It's, it's about art. It's about beaches and animals and weather and um, singing and painting. It's, it's, it's a need that we have for things to look good. The aesthetic needs. It's why we choose houses we choose, how we design them, how we, why we wear certain clothes, because we like them. There's a part of us that says, we want it to look beautiful. And I believe this was given to us from God. The third one is self-actualization needs. So really, it's the basic need to realize our personal potential. It's about learning how we can be the best me or the best you. And remember, this is a psychologist that found this. I'm not saying this is what the Bible says. I think it ties into what God is saying. But this psychologist said we have these needs to just understand something about ourselves. And for years, they thought this was the highest need that you could achieve. That if you understood why you were here, right, 301, last week's message, then you would be fulfilled. 
You, you, and, and there is there's, there's a one part that comes with it. But this is why we excel in, at work. Uh, this is why um, we pursue, pursue goals with excellence, why we do our best in team sports or in the laboratory. It's about becoming an expert because of a passion. They say only 2% of Americans live at this level of fulfillment where they have this self accelation of, I understand why I'm here and I have a passion to do what I'm doing. Only 2%. They say only 0.01% of college students have this need met in their life. That's crazy. So we have a lot of people that don't know why they're on this planet, why they're on the earth, how they're gifted. Growth track will help you to understand that, to help you take those steps. Our church, we want to say, hey, take God in his third offer. The offer of redemption, of restoration, he's saying, let me help you figure out why you're here. That's the third offer. But they said there's something else that went beyond this. And this is the, the transcendence need. This, they thought for years the self-oxidation was it, but they kept saying there's behavior. They just, even though they're doing something by themselves, there's a need for a team. There's a need for something that, that goes beyond a single individual. It's a transcendence where we're doing something that's going to live beyond us. They kept seeing humans behave. They're saying, I have to be a part of something. And they said the ultimate motivator that explains why, this is why it explains why we get up in the morning, um, why we endure all the hard things that come our way. Because, you know, sometimes you want to just sleep in, right? You're like, I just want to sleep in. Well, when you're living this kind of life, you don't, you don't let the sleep, you don't let the hardships stop you because you're saying, I'm a part of something even bigger. We have team members that get here 6.45, okay, 7 o'clock to start setting up lights. And, and when I get here, I'm thinking, man, thank you guys so much for getting here early. And they're like, man, they, they love it. Why? Because they're doing something that's larger than themselves. For a whole year, we've had a team. We'll celebrate them in a while. But a team coming together to, to accomplish something that's large. And we leave satisfied. Why? And fulfilled. Because it's beyond any one single person. Why I love the Grove so much is because it's way bigger than just me. I'm a part of it, but it's, it's a team. It's a lot of people saying we're doing something amazing together. And there's fulfillment that comes from that. So there's, out of that, we, we find joy to, to meet somebody else's needs. So um, this is the difference between... Well, let me give you Webster's definition of transcendent. It's exceeding, uh, exceeding usual limits, or surpassing and extending beyond the limits of ordinary experience, beyond comprehension. There's a scripture in Ephesians that talks about it. It says, man, God wants to do something even bigger than you can ever think or imagine. It's huge. This is the difference between playing on the field and just cheering from the stands. You know, it's fun to be a part of a team like, you know, we're going to cheer for Seahawks today, right? With some Seahawks. I saw a jersey over here somewhere, Seahawks. We got some, well, boo, wow. So we got some Cowboys, I think, yeah. If you're a Chiefs fan, I'm sorry. You know, Broncos fan, yay, right? So um, it, it's great to cheer from the, from the stands, and, and we, we're part of that. You know, we're part of the team somewhat. But the experience when you're on the field, when you're working hard, it means something a whole lot different. When you earn something on the field and you work hard to get it, there's something in you that says, man, this was so, so awesome. And this is the difference. God is saying, I don't want you just to watch and spectate. I want you to be on the field. See, the Grove, as people come to connect to God, we want to say, don't just sit in the seats. Get involved. Man, and if you can't get involved in our church and become passionate about it, find a church you can get involved in that you can serve the needs of the community. You can help. Because something inside of you will come alive. We have... Uh, students, high school students that serve our, our G kids next door. And they do an amazing job. Now, can I tell you that they, they, there's something that comes alive in them when they're serving other people, when they're part of a team? It's amazing. So, one of the, if we're going to ever realize this, we have to understand it, be, it, be, it begins with a calling. 
Uh, in 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, God saved us, and then, what did he do? He called us to his holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. It begins with a calling. God is calling each one of us to do something on this earth with our life that we have. He's calling you. It might not be a pastor in front of all the people, but it could be serving the needs of the, of the poor, serving the needs of our community, serving, serving the school system. He's calling us. So it'd be, we might say it like this, I want to make a difference. Ministry is, is finding a need and making a difference. Uh, the, the, the other thing is, is if we're going to do this, it stands on a cause. It stands on a cause. I want to make a difference. And when the cause is that, that we build our life upon is larger than us, we find fulfillment. If you have the next slide for me. Acts 2.24 says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless, it uses, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He's inviting us to be a part of the team. We can say it like this. Next slide. My computer stopped working. Doing something that makes a difference. Man, we want to be part of something that's making a difference in our world. Next one. It spreads from me to we. It goes beyond us. It's no longer just about me. It's about a team. It's about what God wants to do in us and through us. Next scripture says, Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. When it goes beyond from me to we, we begin to find fulfillment. The next one says, with people, doing, doing something with people who want to make a difference. So as we wrap up this series, this is my challenge. If you're going to live the best life possible, you have to take God up, not just the first offer of salvation, not just the second one of saying, all right, I want to be free from thinking and have freedom in my life from addictions and from the past, from baggage. Um, I want to also find my, my design. But then you have to say, I need to be a part of something that's larger than me. We just finished Bike for Light. We were able to raise a ton of money for, for Convoy of Hope, for compassion and feeding the poor. Man, it was a team effort. A lot of people jumped in. And it's very fulfilling because we're a part of something that was larger. So here's my challenge. Commit to living out God's promises for your life. If you've done one, that's awesome. You're taking that step, that's great. If you've done two, if you're maybe stuck in two, move on to number three. If you've done three, now use those, those gifts and those talents to help others connect to God, help others to find his goodness. So this week, my challenge is that you'd move forward in at least one of the four areas that God wants, you, wants to work in your life. Final thought is this. When Jesus, right before he died on the cross, he had a supper with his disciples and did the four cups, the Passover, and they went through the four I wills of saying God wants to do these things. The last cup, the cup of praise, he said, I will not drink this cup again until we're in heaven. So he fulfilled what he was going to do. But essentially he said, as you go through life, as you find fulfillment, there will be a day where everything comes together. And we're in eternity. God's going to say, all right, now let's celebrate. There's a reason it's called the cup of praise. When you're a part of a team and you accomplish something great, man, you high five. When we crossed the border, the 500 miles, you just seen the team high fiving all the cyclists, all the people that were there had signs saying, good job. It was, it was awesome. It was amazing because it was a team we were celebrating. It's a cup of praise. And so God invites us. In fact, in Revelation, he says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're going to celebrate. So you're here today. You might have come to church. Maybe you haven't been here for a long time. Maybe you um, um, left a long time ago. Maybe this is your first time. 
Can I tell you today, God has an offer on the table for you. He's saying, would you accept this offer of salvation? He sent his son to die in our place. The Bible says because we sinned, all of us um, have, to, have to pay for that sin through death. But God said, I'm going to send my son to, to ransom to pay your, 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 your payment. What you deserve, I'm going to remove that. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. And that's essentially why he was died on the cross, so that we have a way back to God. Nothing we do to earn it, but just by, by accepting his offer of saying, God, I, I accept that. So maybe you're here today, and you have a lot that's been going on in your life. Maybe you're at a place you're saying, something needs to change. I need to be free from stuff. I need to move on. I need to, I need to, I need to find God. This would be the time where you take that step to that first offer of saying, God, I need your help. I accept that offer of salvation. If you're here today, would everybody close your eyes and bow your head? Um, if you're here today and, and you would like to say, I want... I want to accept that offer. Would you pray with me? Pray for me? Would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front. Just in your seat, I'm going to lead you to prayer. But if you're here, you're saying, I need God in my life. And I've lived too long without him. I need his help. Awesome. I see those hands. Anybody else? Cool. That's awesome. I'm going to lead you to prayer. It's a simple prayer just saying, God, I invite you into my life. Help me. Help me find fulfillment. You know, all the things I talked about, God has for you if you'll just follow his plan. Would you, would you pray this prayer with me? If you raise your hand. The rest of you, would you join me in this prayer? That You that pray this prayer, Christians, just encourage them. Say, Father God, today I admit that I need your help. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. I invite you today to lead me and to help me. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. I believe you're, you're alive. That you want to live in my life. Help me. Help me to fu- f- live a life of fulfillment. Help me to help others. Help me to serve you. Today I make you God of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. We had a lot of hands go up. Can we just celebrate that today? If you pray that prayer, we have a gift for you. We have a Bible on the table, and we have a book that's called Ten Steps Towards, uh, Towards Christ. Uh, if you want to take those, if you're here today and you want a resource to just to move forward, uh, get one of those Bibles on the way out. Bible in the book and help you on your journey. And let us know. Fill out that card. Let us know you made that decision. Keep praying for you this week. I'd like to connect to you and help so a couple of things we would do before we um, dismiss. If, if you are a team member, would you do me a favor and uh, just come to the front for a second? Uh, if you serve on team, you're a small group leader, if you help set up lights, if you teach G-Kids, uh, if you would just come up for one second, we just want to honor you. Um, I have my wife next to me. Um, one, year sell, one year of being a church. Uh, my wife has just done an amazing job. One of the people I like to thank, first of all, is just uh, all the work that was behind, done behind the scenes. Hardly anybody sees. She does a ton of it. And so thank you, Sincerity, for all the work you do. And, um, yeah, she's good. Give her a hand. And then these are the people behind the scenes, small group leaders, uh, doing lights, the people you've never, never known, some watching your kids, taking care of your kids. Would you give them a hand? Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for being a part.
I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for the one year of uh, serving and helping. And our team, what's cool about this is we start with 35 adults, and our team now is 70 adults. So we've doubled. This is awesome. So it's grown. So imagine what year two is going to be. So thank you guys. We're going to show one more video and show you a couple of stats, and then we'll dismiss you with a song. So if you guys want to find a seat as you as they watch the video. So happy one year. Let me show you a couple of things that happened this year you might not have been aware of. We started September 21st last year. We went from zero to 160 regular attenders. It's pretty cool. That's that. Let me just tell you, if you don't know, that is huge for a new church. Thank you guys for being a part of that. Next one. We had nine, uh, double our launch team 35. We had nine series. Um, my favorite was Rooted Together. You can get, catch these all online. Had some great series that just took place. Our podcast, almost 3,000 times have been listened around the world, which is pretty cool. 21 states, 8 different countries are listening in to our services. It's pretty awesome to have an impact. Uh, one of my favorites, donuts. We gave away, where's that? 3,744 donuts. That's a lot of donuts. Um, our website, a lot of traffic. Social media, a lot of traffic on our social media. 700, 700, 777 check-ins yesterday uh, to the Grove. So pretty cool. Thank you guys for checking in and sharing all that. Uh, next one. 73 Bibles given away, which is pretty cool. That's good. That's 73 people needed a Bible to connect to God. 180 of the 10 Steps books given to help people take the next step in the journey. That's cool. 30, $31,000 $31, has been raised for compassion and for feeding the poor in the one year. That is huge. Mainly that's Bike for the Light. Additional 21000 given to missions, church planning, helping the kingdom grow, which is huge. Um, 200 commitments to Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's cool. 17 of those have been baptized. We have not had a single week where somebody has not made a commitment to Christ. And so for that... I want to just celebrate, say thank you guys so much, God. Thank you for a great year. We honor you, we celebrate. Would you guys stand with us today as we start, finish service?